Hello. Hi. And welcome to Pop Tarts. Crazy cat lady for life. Friends reads tarot for cats. The cats pick the card. I don't think they want to kill nonstop. Cats don't want to press other cats based on their gender. Which is more witchy, cats or goats? I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in Brooklyn, New York. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today we are going to be discussing basically my favorite topic of all. (laughs) There is no greater topic than the one that we're going to be discussing today. Spend any time on social media and it will become abundantly clear that cats are a global obsession. But what is it about them that makes them pop cultural catnip? Why are women like me so deeply infatuated with felines? And what does their popularity say about us as a culture? Helping us sort it all out is friend of bust, Kristen Soleil. Kristen is a writer, curator, and educator whose areas of expertise are the intersections of art, sex, and the occult. And of course, that includes cats, duh. (laughs) She is the founding editrix of Sluttist, a sex-positive feminist website, and she teaches a very popular course at the New School called The Legacy of the Witch that follows witchiness through history, pop culture, and politics. Welcome, Kristen! Thank you so much for having me! (laughs) Meow. (laughs) Meow, meow, kitty. This is not your first time at the rodeo. It the is last not. time you were here on the Pop Tarts podcast, you had just written a book called Witches, Sluts, and Feminists. All three things that are great on their own and even greater together. And now your new book is called Cat Call Reclaiming the Feral Feminine. It's all about cat archetypes in myth and in magic. It's basically a book that I feel was made especially (laughs) for me. What made you decide to tackle this amazing topic and how do you define the feral feminine? Ooh, yeah. Well, writing the first book, cats were sort of clawing around in all the areas I was researching. So it's almost like I couldn't just have one little section on cats in the first book, which is sluts, feminists, and cats. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, Not that I'm like rehashing all the same material. There's a lot of new but stuff. But the topic's so big, it ended exactly. up being its own book. Exactly. So I've been like a cat obsessive since I was a kid. I had a subscription to Cat Fancy when I was, you know, like seven years <laughs> yes, old. Yes, queen. My mom would take me to cat shows <gasps> just to like look at them, you know. That uh, is amazing. Creep on those cats. <laughs> <laughs> and so the feral feminine to me is this sort of untamed wild femininity, the, um, you know, absolutely what the patriarchy fears most, you know. And I go into depth about where that idea comes from and where it's going and um, a lot more in the book. But I would say just simply put, it's sort of a, a wildness and a refusal of patriarchal prescriptions. Oh. And somehow it's embodied in these amazing animals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's and always has been. For thousands of years, for sure. Yeah. I find... what. Oh my God, there's so many things I love about cats. But (laughs) one of the things that I love so much about cats is that they were the first, and as far as I know, only animal to domesticate themselves. Yeah. That like they ingrate like they ingratiated themselves to the ancient Egyptians, like they had granaries full of rats and they were like, Hey baby, want me to take care of that rat problem for you? (laughs) And they like basically conned the ancient Egyptians into being their slaves. And, and they're still doing we it today. Still <laughs> do it. It's absolutely and even engineering the way they communicate to like get our attention better. I know, you know? they don't even meow at each other. Right. Only at us. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. I mean, as babies, they do a bit for their mom, but then the rest of their lives, adult cats, they're not meowing to other cats. They're just uh-uh. meowing to us. It's <laughs> the it. best. So now, what is your personal cat situation? Do you have them? I How do. do you feel about them? What is? I want to know everything about you and your cats. Yes. So I, um, my partner and I had a rescue cat for many years. He passed. Um, R.I.P. And so, yeah. And that was right at 
the beginning of this process. So I actually did um, some spell work that he inserted himself in about getting this book deal. And so I feel like he has his little paw prints all over. Oh, <laughs> what was his name? His name was Pickles. Aww. Pickles, you made the dream a reality. He was a Russian blue, very beautiful, <gasps> Those charming, are gorgeous. dashing. Um, uh, yeah, so he passed, and then I kept writing this book. I got the deal. It was great. And then somehow my mom had a friend who needed to rehome a little baby, and <gasps> I don't know. It just was like the time when I started thinking about it, then it just like popped into my life. Her name is Cherie, Cherie Purry, um, named after <gasps> oh Cherie God, Curry of the Runaways. runaways. <laughs> you oh. know. So people are like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, one of my good friends reads tarot for cats. And oh my I'm god. Like, oh my god, really? Yeah. So <laughs> her name is Sarah Potter and she's also an art oh, advisor and does all kinds of awesome stuff, but her one of her gigs is reading for pets and for people and their pets. So I was like, I got to do this. Oh my god, that is motivation for me to clean my apartment. Yes. So Sarah Potter can come yes. over and tell me all the things. She does house calls. So <gasps> That's amazing. Yeah, so she came over and she uh did an oracle deck reading for Cherie. She was like the last cat picked the possession card that, that I did a reading for. And then, but she was like, but that cat was a total hellion, totally wild. Like Cherie is like a little baby princess. She's not going to pick that card. And then we laughed about it. How are they picking the card? So she just fans them out and then just lets the cat come over and bite the corner or <gasps> nose it or paw it. And we push the cards the and we just wait. pick yes. the card. Oh, yeah. The cats <laughs> pick the card. And like, this is a thing. Like no many, many idea. people's cats um, are in their practice. Not like they force them to be, but the cats just want to be in there and pick cards with their teeth or their paw. Oh my God, I'm whatever. trying this tonight with, with the slutist. <laughs> yes. Deck. Oh um, so she ends up sinking her little incisor into a card and we turn it over and it's the possession card. <gasps> and we're like, Okay, one way you could explain that is, oh, maybe she smelled the other cat. No, this was the, the card that ended up right in front of her after shuffling thousand times. So then we're like, possession, but she's not. And we're like, no, no, no. It's possessions like stuff. This is like a fancy bitch. And she <laughs> likes her ah. possessions. So that was our reading of it. Oh but my Sarah God, was like, gear. yeah, it's totally different. <laughs> it was a very beautiful experience. And I totally dedicated the book to Sharik. Sharik. <laughs> Now, I uh, personally torture my partner, the lovely Logan Caballero del Fuego, who uh, is engineering this show right now, all day, every day. Uh, if he asks me a question via text, I have to send back a cat gif. Oh, yeah. If I see a cute cat on, like, Facebook, I have to send it to him while he's working, and then I wait for him to let me know if he saw it and if he also thought it was cute. <laughs> if we're like in the home zone, so then I'll take cute pictures of our cats and then I'll make him look at those. And he's like, why are you showing me pictures of our cats when our cats are right there? I can't win, but also he's so patient. I love this. And I can't stop, won't stop. Crazy cat lady for life. I didn't realize when I didn't have those months without a cat. I remember thinking like, my hands started aching in a weird way and it was like, I haven't pet a cat. Oh. And it was like, oh my gosh. I went to this pet store where I knew a cat just, like it was like a bodega that cat that like went into the pet store and would like live and I just went to just go touch the cat. Because I didn't have anyone that I felt okay being like, can I come to your house and pet your cat? Because that just feels so creepy. <laughs> oh my Kristen, you can come to my house anytime to pet Oh, the thank you. So yeah, um, but I also love all cat media. I'm like obsessed with Pusheen. Way to go with that marketing. Like everything <laughs> Pusheen. Um, but I'm, I'm an Instagram cat freak. I actually just started um, my class and I thought we do icebreakers and I asked the students, what's your favorite animal you follow on Instagram? And literally half the kids just like blankly stared at me. One kid was like, I don't like animals. You don't and like animals. I was like, okay, I guess not everyone follows animals on Instagram. I don't know what's wrong with you, but. Oh my God, I love this dog, Frenchie. Have you seen that one? Oh no. He goes, wah, 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 About everything, and it's so good. It's healing, right? <laughs> so, Okay, so there's a lot of cats in pop culture. Mm -hmm. I was brainstorming some today, thinking about my favorite cats in pop culture. Mm. I'm going to read out some some cats in film and television. You guys tell me how you feel about them. Okay. I'm going to start with a childhood crush. 
can throw from Thundercats. 1985 Hot. to 1989. He was obviously the black one. He was also a cat. He was also a man. He was also ripped. <laughs> I had sensual feelings towards him. How do you guys feel about Panthro from Thundercats? Hot. I don't really remember. Sabrina, both the Teenage Witch and mm-hmm. Chilling Adventures. Teenage Witch had a very disturbing animatronic talking cat that was kind of a puppet. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. He had all the zingers. <laughs> he had he the did. zingers, but I, it was like too disturbing to look at the cat. It was creepy. I like the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina cat because it's an actual cat. Right. Instead of some weird puppet. But again, it doesn't speak. Of course, there is cat from Breakfast at Tiffany's 1961. Mm-hmm. Mm. Love that cat. The cat and Breakfast at Tiffany's, I know that it was like a very emote. It was important to the emotional arc of it for her to yell at the cat and send it away. I was so mad at her. I was like, how, how dare you? Yeah, that was some fuckery. How dare you? That cat stood by you. I know. Mm. Yeah, so that basically made me hate Audrey Hepburn. (laughs) 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 And I know that it's not her fault. It's just a part. And that in real life, she would never do that. No, she wouldn't. No. Keanu, the Key and Peele movie, had a very cute cat. That kitten was super cute. It was the whole movie was about kitten theft, which is so wrong. Pet Cemetery, both 1989 and 2019. Church. Another great thing about Church um, was that. He was the inspiration for the great, was it a Ramon song or a Joey Ramon song? I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I think it's just the Ramones. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great jam. I don't want to live my life again. (laughs) (laughs) That's all because of church. Um, Did any of you guys see the 2019 Captain Marvel with Carol Danvers? Definitely not. Definitely won't. (laughs) <laughs> so it was really good. It was, you know, oh, wait, the female I Captain did. Marvel. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she had this cat, and there was cats in space. And oh, yeah. And uh, her cat had a, a alien inside, and it was cool. Yeah. Ooh, I totally forgot cool. about that. I'm glad you reminded me. I was There's, into it. Did it, like, pop out, the alien? Like, yeah. And, and also another excellent space cat was Sigourney Weaver's cat Jonesy from oh, Alien yes. in 1979. Iconic. That cat survived. Spoiler alert, the cat lives. Yeah, the cat lives. The final cat. <laughs> the final, <laughs> the final cat. cat. I found Mr. Bigglesworth, Dr. <laughs> Evil's hairless cat in Austin Powers. I believe that was the first time that I ever saw a hairless cat. Oh, and yeah. I was so disturbed. Oh, I love that, that cute ass cat. I also had uh, enjoyed, even though he was a bad kitty, Azriel Gargamel's cat from the Smurfs. Oh, love that oh, cat. Oh, yeah. Always knocking shit down. Totally. Yeah, always. And um, in Inspector Gadget, I think his name was Dr. Claw. He had. Yes, mm, I was just You never yes. saw him. You only saw his hand on his cat, which I, was I just thought was. talking about Dr. Claw and doing that motion the other day. It's such a boss move. <laughs> that could be a really good Halloween costume. And you just wear all black and then and a hand on a cat. A <laughs> That's good. That is good. You are so good at Halloween costumes. And then there's the two um, Animal Planet shows. Of course, the iconic My Cat from Hell with Jackson Galaxy. Why does he have cat toys in a guitar case? I think because <laughs> it seen looks show. cool. I think it it looks aggressively uncool. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I think it looks cool. I'm just but saying that's, that's probably he, that's why he, does it because he thinks it looks cool but i do think that he has great um ideas about how to interpret a cat's pissiness yeah he does a lot of great work Mm -hmm. and great charity work for rescuing kitties and it's good to have like a masculine presence presence out there you know saying i know among the crazy cat ladies yeah not you know cats aren't just for women or femmes Mm. or you know feminine folks it's for everybody cats are for everybody so that's just a quick roundup of my favorite cats in pop culture. There needs to be an encyclopedia of pop culture cats. Yes. Right? Okay, so many people hate cats. Yes. I understand this. Are there ties between misogyny and fe- feline antipathy? Should women avoid men who hate cats? Damn. That's a that's an intense question, and I would say yes. <laughs> Uh, with you know some qualifiers obviously I mean if you're deathly allergic that's okay I mean that's a reason to hate something right I understand I guess that's fair but 
a lot of that hatred is just sort of an, an enculturated bias that is rooted in misogyny and it's like centuries old. So yeah, you don't want to keep perpetuating that. You or you literally could... wrote the book on this. Tell us more. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. So obviously we have plenty of uh, benevolent, beloved cat goddesses or goddesses who appeared in feline form from Bastet uh, to uh, Freya was pulled by in a chariot, the Norse goddess of you know war and sex and fertility, by two cats. And then there's lots of cat goddesses in uh, you know ancient pantheons. But when we start to have um, the Christians coming in, they demonize specifically animals that were beloved in a lot of these pagan mm-hmm. in their world pagan uh, belief systems. So that's sort of the start of demonizing cats and. We do get this association between cats and female cats in particular and women from Aristotle. So that's even pre-Christian. That's where that's starting. I didn't know that. Tell me more. Yes. So in the history of animals, which is basically the foundational zoological text, Aristotle writes the female cat is peculiarly lecherous <gasps> and wheedles the male on to sexual commerce and caterwauls during the operation. Basically saying female cats you know, are really loud when they get fucked and they're super slutty. So (laughs) from that, uh, given the uh, heightened misogyny, uh, uh, you know, against human females in Aristotle's work, there's this sort of built-in association that happened after that um, text was disseminated and those ideas, you know, infiltrated uh, Greek society onto Roman society, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, there became this association between you know, cats and sort of uh, insatiable women. And um, then that is that connects in to Christians demonizing certain animals and associating them with uh, unruly, oversexual, quote unquote, women. And then we move that into the witch trials. <gasps> and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 80 to 85% of those accused and executed were women and cats were often thought to be in the British trials, you know, uh, which is familiar and in other parts of the uh, country, I'm sorry, the continent, um, cats were thought to be forms that demons would take or the form of the witch herself. So that was like a long sort of convoluted, I hope it made sense in that lineage because there's a lot of, you know, nuanced stops along the way. But from basically by the like 1300s, we start having you know, um, the Pope warning Christians uh, in Germany that the the devil is appearing as a cat and he's overseeing orgies between witches and you should really beware. So that just gets worse and worse. Which is more witchy, cats or goats? Ooh, that's, I I think that's tied. It's a tie? I think that's got to be a tie. This is a good thing (laughs) to like do an Instagram story like, you know, poll. A poll, yeah. Because, yeah, they're both so associated with Satan. Yeah. Um, So from that, you know, then we move into sort of the softening of the witch-cat trope, which is like the cat lady, you know, who becomes not feared but pitied and sort of distasteful and shunned. And then you still have that, you know, uh, denunciation of cats associated with women. I want to really dig into cat lady. Oh, yeah. Um. Why is cat obsession considered a lady thing? Why don't people say crazy cat man? Yeah. Like, what is the tie to spinsterhood? Just to reiterate what I just said, there is definitely some links back to the witch hunts. So we have this association between either these hideous, often childless or past reproductive um, age women who are often the witches. You know, the majority of women accused would be over 40. And so their association with cats... And then that sort of morphs. By the 1700s, you already have like paintings of old maids with cats in the paintings. So there's one I talk about in the book called Old Maids um, at a Cat's Funeral. And it's like all <gasps> these old maids with their cat. And then there's one woman who doesn't have her cat and has a tiny little coffin. Oh, yes. my God. I know. So it's already a cliche by then. So there's definitely that link to like the, uh, the old crone and her cat to the, the, um, you know, the, the spinster and her cat. And obviously cat ladies of are of all ages, but there's that association that she's a woman has given up, um, having a husband. If we're obviously, you know, talking about heterosexual norms, like 
having a husband, having kids and cats instead are where she, you know, perverts her natural instinct for care and like. And I don't like stereotypes like that. However, I will say that, you know, like I've had cats in my life almost my whole life. Yeah. Um, And then after a lull of of not having a cat around when I was 41, we, uh, Logan and I adopted two little kittens and I have maternal feelings towards these creatures that I've never had before. I would not say that I was cat obsessed until they came into my life. I loved cats. Like they were my preferred pet, but like there's a difference between like, oh, I have a pet and like I am this animal's mother. Right. The deeply passionate, <laughs> almost tapping into some sort of like biological imperative to like yeah. care for the animal. It's so over the top. I don't want to be a cliche and yet I am. <laughs> and I just need to go with it because I have no choice. Own it. The thing that's interesting, though, is that like they really dictate the the terms of the relationship because there's two of them and they are from the same litter and they're a boy and a girl, Velma and Irv. And Velma is like this very sleek, um, gorgeous supermodel, very smart, bossy lady. Mm -hmm. And she's like this super cool roommate who I live with. And then Irv is my child because he crawls into my arms and sucks on my shirt and makes biscuits on me and needs to be held like a little baby. But I think that there's plenty of crazy cat men. And like we've come far enough in this society. We know that men can be nurturing. Oh, yeah. And also, it's like the way the same way that there's dilfs, yeah. Like, I think there's like cat daddy dilfs. Oh yeah. Like if you see a man cuddling a cat, there's like some lubrication is gonna follow. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I was at CatCon last year, and there were there's this for the past like three years there have been specific panels like about men and cats, and like you know guys in the industry and rescuing and just regular dudes who love their cats and stuff to sort of break down that stigma. And all the women in the audience were like, Oh my God. Do you guys personally as people think cats have supernatural powers? Cats, I think can tap into things we can't and they have powers of perception that we don't. And so whether you interpret that as, being able to sense um, something beyond is one thing or just sense things we can't that are actually just there is another, you know? So, yeah, I don't know if I would say supernatural necessarily. It depends on your belief, but... Intuitive. They, yeah, maybe. they're definitely, you know, tapped into natural cycles and like it's even like the weather in ways that we aren't. Or, you know, like when the tsunami came, all the animals know, you know, mm, way before right. we know, things like that. So I think that's like the scientific version but Mm -hmm. the like i believe in magic witchcraft version is yeah absolutely um i with the new cat she's very princessy and still a baby so i don't really get that old wise Mm -hmm. uh, sort of vibe from her but i've had other cats and been around other cats that really seem to just know everything when you just like look at them you know (laughs) you know the sensing like cats can sense if you're upset or whatever i remember my old cat you know if i'd be really like crying or whatever, or even meditating. Like you'd always come around at times when energetic shifts would happen. Like they yeah. can sense that when a mm-hmm. regular person might not be able to sense that. So definitely their powers of intuition are heightened. What about the fact that they're natural born killers? Is that part of the like pop cultural mystique? Is that part of the witchy mystique? The fact that left to their own devices out in the world, like they're just want to kill mm. nonstop. I don't think they want to kill nonstop. (laughs) When I had, like, my first cats were outdoor cats, and they were just born to kill. They would line up all their bodies on the front step for us, and it was just an endless parade of death. Some mice sometimes, but they were more interested in stunning. Yeah. Probably uh, depends on the cat. Depends on the cat. I had a cat once that would always catch snakes and leave garden snakes in my front uh, porch when I was a kid all the time. Um, then other cats that just want to cuddle and eat and hang out. So my cat, yeah. when I was a kid, would bring me live snakes as gifts. That's oh. live snakes. That's witchy. Too. That's very mm. witchy. Um, but yeah, the killing, the killer instinct. I mean, that's sort of aspirational. 
in a certain way. <laughs> See, I find it really interesting that like cats are so associated with women and they're such proficient killers. Right. Because I think we associate it with like sexuality somehow, not with actual murder, but with like cats being, I don't know, the ultimate seducers in mm. a way. You know, I think mm -hmm. we like transmute that killer to not mean like literal killing, but to like, I don't know slaying game or like <laughs> <laughs> something like that and that's why they associate it with women it's that's an interesting point you've done an immense amount of research for this book i want to know like some overviews of like some cat mythology like some stories that you didn't know before you were researching that will blow our minds oh wow the mind-blowing stories or you know just like um, really fucking oh. cool I was really excited to learn about the vampire archetype originating with the cat. Really? Is one... Not bats? Ronald Hutton um, suggests that these blood-sucking witches um, in Croatian and Italian lore uh, or would often take the form of cats to go drink the blood of like babies and, you know, families, et cetera. And he proposes that is where the vampire archetype comes from much later. So although it comes from witches, it's the witch in the form of a cat most often. So we mm -hmm. can trace that vampire lineage to cats. And there's so many interesting cat vampire connections as well as cat werewolf slash werecat, you know. Werecat? Oh, yeah. You mean like... A, a lady that'll turn into a cat? Uh, yeah, like Sleepwalkers or Cat People, those two films. Cat um, teenage people. cat girls in yeah. heat. Oh, so that's what it, it they're yeah. wear cats. All right. I mean, yeah, that's the ultimate like slutty cat woman, basically eating lovers alive in the form of a cat. I mean, some of my favorite research was going to Cat Girl Manor. Mm. And that's not mythology, but it is going back into the lineage of why we associate cats with kink. And so cats are in uh, the Marquis de Sade's work and in Venus and Furs by Leopold um, Sakur Masok. And so cats are already talked about when we talk about the early like um, predecessors to our ideas about dominance and submission and cat suits, sex exactly, kittens. exactly. And like, why when you go to the stock room online or go to any kink store, like you're gonna find cat stuff, mm -hmm. you know? So that was really interesting to dig into that and kitten play. And I went to the uh, Cat Girl Manor, the chateau, the mansion right. where they um, tell our listeners live. exactly what Cat Girl Manor is. So it, it's uh, like an intentional community in Colorado run um, by this woman, Isabella, who basically started the first kitten play website uh, many years ago. And then now it's this sort of you know, worldwide community, but they have a hub and I got to go visit. So it's like Victorian mansion and she's wearing her, her ears and her whole, a lot of the other kittens, she sent them out while we did the interview, but they're all different kinds of kittens. And um, she looked at like domesticated kittens, feral kittens, you know, based on your personality, what you're into, how you dress, like the Neckos, they're more like the um, cosplay version. So I was like, oh, well, I wonder what I am. And she's like, well, there's a new kind of kitten. It's the vampire. <gasps> and so I get, you know, it's kind of like a gothy. A gothy kitty. Because yeah, I was wearing like this dress with the spider webs and whatever. And so she gave me a vampire collar. And it was a really wonderful, kind thing. And I can't wait to send her the book. And so they do events all over the country. I know they do a Burning Man thing. They do a uh, Halloween thing in New Orleans and some other events. So yeah, there's like, events people can go to. I once went to an LA event that she did with some of the other kittens and there was a line down the block, like two blocks long, really long blocks of girls dressed up in their kitten outfits, like Whoa. slutty cat. Like they were just in line. It was incredible. Just like walking down and seeing what everyone was wearing. It's such a, a new age for this kind of stuff. Like I, I can't even believe that like the internet was didn't even exist when I was born and now like <laughs> the internet will bring together like girls who want to dress like yeah. sexy kittens together to live in a manner. Yeah. Incredible. Without the internet, where would we be? <laughs> well, I don't know. We'd be <laughs> sending each other long letters about we how we want to live cats. together dressed like cats. Yeah. You know um that Egyptian 
goddess Sekhmet, mm-hmm. who is like the lion-headed yes, goddess. Yes, yes. I love this. I remember hearing actually when I was still in elementary school, this myth about how like she was like a Egyptian goddess of war. Mm-hmm. And there was a story that like she just wanted men to kill each other for her amusement day and night all the time. And that like amazing she like made all these wars happen until there was almost no people left and then to get her to stop the other gods um put little pots of red wine like all over the battlefields um and she thought that it was blood and she was like so bloodthirsty that she drank all the wine thinking that it was blood and then she got like super drunk and passed out and that's how they had like an era of peace for a while so that (laughs) the humans like the humans could repopulate Egypt. So I remember reading this story as um, in elementary school and having it remind me of my mom somehow. <laughs> and to this day, like she just, she has such, not that she likes to drink blood per se, although she did, she used to eat raw meat because she liked the taste hmm. of blood. So maybe that was why. But also. I know. What? I know. Wow. But also she is such like a force of nature mm. that like, I feel like to slow her down would require some sort of trickery. A battlefield Ah. of of fake blood. A battlefield (laughs) of fake blood. It takes a nation of millions to hold her back. That is incredible. I mean, in my research, I did learn a lot of um, spells from demonological texts and just a variety of magical texts using cat body parts. And a lot of them are for invisibility. First, like spells and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, I was, Zora Neale Hurston did a lot of work on the hoodoo practices. And I quote her in the book about how you have to find this one bone, this one cat bone, and you put it in your mouth and then you're invisible. And there's a lot of like invisibility spells involving cat body parts, unfortunately. Oftentimes like black cat body parts, um, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but also the, the, you know, the nature of cat's eyes. And so that in so many uh, mythologies around the world, you know, have been associated with like the moon or the sun and mm-hmm. like keep, you know, keeping the fires lit at all times because they can amplify so much light with their eyes, obviously in the middle mm-hmm. of the night in dark room, their eyes like somehow still, you know, they're like glowing no matter what. <laughs> It's a statistical fact that black cats get adopted less often than other kinds of cats. Is this because um, of people thinking that they are the devil, that they are for witches, that they are satanic, or is it just an aesthetic preference? I definitely think there's that association with Mm -hmm. Satan because even those like, you know, uh, texts from the 14th century that I was talking about earlier, talking about Satan in the form of a cat, always a black cat, you know, was always... Even in uh, after Aristotle, but still within the time of the ancient Greeks, there was a mention of a black cat being bad luck. So there's definitely, because the black color of the underworld, cats already satanic, you know, added together. Do you think that black cats in pop culture, like in Sabrina, et cetera, like make it easier to adopt out black cats or just perpetuate it? I don't know. I feel like there must have been a sea change. But I also hang out with too many, like, goths. <laughs> so everyone I know has a black cat. You know, I'm, like, the opposite, having a white cat. Yeah. And it's way easier to have a black cat because it doesn't matter if your clothes are black and your cat's fur gets on them because right. you will not see it. <laughs> Truth. I feel almost sort of ambivalent about loving black cats so much because in one way... It's supporting an oppressive system like sort of I love them because they're satanic because of the satanic like uh, vibes that they give other people. Right. But in doing that and like perpetuating that. Right. Then I'm like supporting a system that like made women get burned at the stake. How do you feel having written a whole book about this subject about um, like do we need to tell everybody like don't be crazy there's nothing occult Hmm. about cats or be like duh of course there's everything occult about cats and that's why they're cool yeah i think that's definitely a thing like you can relate also to people who practice witchcraft and like associating playfully with satanic imagery or whatever like should we stop 
doing it. And of course, the old school kind of Satanism, not like the Satanism of today that's often associated with just like social justice movements. <laughs> or a hot topic. <laughs> or a hot topic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nothing evil about either of those things. But like old school Satan of the like 15th century, you know. So yeah, that's a tough one. I think it's hard because it's so fun to play around with these um, sort of rebellious ideas. But not when you're playing around with people who don't understand the history and who actually think, you know, they're evil. So I guess it depends on your community and who you're talking yeah. to. Yeah, you know? like there's still like women being sent to witch camps Abs in Africa absolutely. right now. So it's like, it can feel very cavalier sometimes. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's tough. I think within your own your own little weirdo group, friend friend group, that's fine. But maybe outwardly facing... Make sure people know <laughs> they're they're just animals. There's no difference depending on the coat. Like actually, yeah. someone in my building was like, "What color is your new cat?" <gasps> and I was like, and they said, "I hope it's not black or something like that." And I I I just did a double take. Like, are you joking? It was so absurd to me that someone would truly believe that, and I shouldn't be surprised. I just live in yeah. Gothland, so you know. Are cats feminists? Does it? <laughs> Is cat ownership or <laughs> stewardship feminist? Do feminism and cat appreciation have anything to do with each other? Yes. And there's definitely a history of feline aesthetics or iconography in feminist action. And pussy hats. That. And people feel however they want about you know, to feel about the pussy hat, but it's still like a feline thing. You know, it's kind yeah. of funny. They're still choosing that. And then before that, like in the, in the late sixties with the women's international terrorist conspiracy from hell, they had some, you know, writings about like a cat is one of your weapons, you know, like oh. you're one of your ideological weapons, you know, yeah. just one of that, some of that awesome sixties shit. And then, um, even, in, even during the suffragist time, there were postcards sort of positioning women as cats looking for their votes to sort of denigrate women and the suffragists who wanted their votes. So they were associating women with cats in a negative way then. So huh. they've always been part of this conversation about women's rights. So absolutely. But just inherently feminist? Well, I mean, in the sense that cats don't oppress other cats based on their gender, I guess that's <laughs> pretty feminist. They're equal well, opportunity hunters. Yeah. But just like... Whether or not they're killing machines, I guess it depends on the yeah, cat. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have some sexist cats. Right. You're going to have some feminist cats. You're yeah. going to have some Republican cats. I think my cat Irv might be libertarian. Whoa. Oh. What are your hopes and dreams and plans for the rest of the year? What's on your vision board? Ooh. And most importantly, what are you going to be writing about next? Because you seem to only write about things that I like. Uh. That's so nice. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, I'm doing book tour with this book. Amazing. Doing East Coast, West Coast, a little Midwest, some Canada. Ooh, Hopefully, some... Are you going to drink milk from a bag? I've never done that. And I'm lactose intolerant, so it sounds uh, all you didn't drink, <laughs> dangerous. Uh, so almond milk from a bag. Oh, maybe. I would like that. <laughs> I'll do that. Um, so yeah, doing some touring, and I already have another book in... On track. Um, I don't know how much I can say about it, can but I will hint yeah. that it is a travel book <gasps> and it does involve witches I'm and history and, and like going to great witchy sites and like perhaps, doing a road trip. Perhaps. <laughs> ah, interactive. Perhaps. Yes, bitch. So, Let's get into like a mystery machine. Yeah. So I don't want to just be writing about things you just like get transported by reading i want you to be able to take your own like you know your body on a trip too so i love it we shall see what happens with that one but that's a little hint Witch across america totally oh my god i'm here for it so we're gonna take the briefest of breaks and when we return we're gonna ask Kristen. Kristen's probably gonna ask callie and hopefully fingers crossed callie will ask me what you watching before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project 
and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via wolfievibespublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Hey, Pop-Tarts listeners, I want to give you a heads up about a show playing at Joe's Pub in New York that I think you all will really enjoy. In Adrian Truscott's Still Asking For It, Truscott and a revolving lineup of special guests mount a direct challenge to the rape industrial complex while partially clothed and fully sheathed in raw, ribald humor. Statistical shock and awe, rape whistles, self-defense classes, male hero revenge blockbusters, Winking references to Spanish fly on the sly, victim blaming, victim shaming. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Originally performed in 2013, as simply Adrian Truscott is asking for it, the show helped to ignite crucial conversations that led to the Me Too and Time's Up movements. Still asking for it demands that we reckon with toxic masculinity and that survivors get the last laugh. Featuring appearances from Becca Blackwell, Amanda Duarte, Vera Eisenberg, Bridget Everett, Jen Harris, Mari Moriarty, Aparna Nonchurla, and many more, Adrian Truscott's Still Asking For It runs at Joe's Pub in New York City from September 20th through October 13th. For more information or to access tickets, go to joespub.com. Uh, essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious and I knew would make great podcasts. And every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted and led by women. Do you want to hear awkward sex stories told with no judgment? Hi guys, welcome back at Awkward Sex in the City. I do dabble with around the booty and the butthole. Okay, I like the dabble around the booty. Dabbling, eating, whatever you want to do. We're all sexual people, so like everybody, you know, has their thing. And it was introduced to me years ago, and I was like, oh shit, this feels good, you know. And uh... do you secretly wish there was a show out there dedicated to studying bro culture? Hey everybody, welcome back to Sweet, a lady's guide to bro culture. One of, my, one of my favorite parts of the movie is that uh, Emily Ratajkowski has a crazy last name, but they still have to pronounce it every time. So it's a lot yes. of bros being like, oh, dude, Emily Ratajkowski, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, and they, oh, right, and even though the characters know her. What about a podcast for mental health and wellness that's hosted by two roller derby players? Welcome to Frau Pow, where your hosts, Auden Rags. I think it was by psychologists that they talk to people with anxiety and depression and that they tend to watch the same TV shows or movies over and over again. And it's like a self-soothing action. Because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. We're back. Yay. Yes. Kristen. Yes. I need to know what you're watching. And when I say what you're watching, that covers all the bases, books, TV, movies, music, music videos, writing on the bathroom wall. If you're consuming it pop culturally, we want to know about it. What you're watching. Oh, my God. So many things. Um, Just finished Pose. Second oh season. Pose. And just found out today, a friend of mine did some consulting on one or two episodes uh, for the Hellfire Club. Was right where you're sitting. (gasps) An honor. That's Uh incredible. Uh, So we definitely pose. uh, I'm a sucker for like obnoxious asshole billionaire shows. So I'm into succession. Mm -hmm. Like I love billions and I just, it's not playing right now. So I'm like, all right, I'll watch this new show about assholey old rich white billionaires. (laughs) 
Um, Have I've you seen, seen that the gemstone family? Yes, that's the other one. Watching the gemstones, <laughs> it's so good. It's so ridiculous. Danny McBride is just oh my god. Have you seen it yet? Um, Not yet, but it's on my agenda. Oh, I always. I'm younger. I can't stop. Like I feel dumb, but I just I can't not watch. Younger. I, love, I liked it. I <laughs> yeah. didn't see. I stopped. And Mariska Hargitay's hot husband is on there. Oh, that's right. Peter he is Herman, super. Hunky. I missed a couple of seasons, so I really have a lot of catching up to do. But I just like sometimes you need a show like that. Yeah, it's fluffy. And oh yeah. I'm always watching the Dead Files. Do you know what that is show? This? That's a show where there's like a medium um slash intuitive woman who works with a former New York City homicide detective. Oh, I've I think I've seen yeah. like one or two episodes right. of this. And they go to someone has a haunting in their house and they both go and the guy does like the research in the archives and with the you know the town and she just goes to the space and feels it. Feels the vibe. And uh-huh. then they connect later to see if they you know if she's if on simpatica. exactly so does, I can't. It, does she get it she often gets it exactly on obviously i don't know what happens behind the scenes right but it is i love watching that <laughs> yeah and the rocky horror picture show i watch rewatch all the time i don't know it's weird i can I, see you doing that yeah though. it's just like Do i've been doing along oh yeah i've been doing it since i was in like sixth grade so i gotta were keep you it in the up. floor show um i've been to the live you know performances but i was never like a star i was just in the audience singing along like a dork show. oh you're so cool in high school <laughs> that is so cool what are you watching yeah what callie you- what you watching um well the best thing that has happened to me since we last taped was i saw bone thugs in harmony what yes. oh my god busy bone is insane god damn it if they're not amazing and then i saw ellis costello what another legend he was legendary just, legendary he was playing with blondie but we were late and miss blondie oh. but i've seen blondie yeah, before so me too. but i'd never seen elvis and he still got the chops awesome that was really awesome and it was at that really awesome place um forest hill stadium oh, oh so i have been there, there. His Elvis's people were so nice. They're from Surefire. And they were like the nicest PR people we met there. Yeah, they set me up to see him at Brooklyn Bowl. It was oh, like sweet. a few years ago and it was such an intimate, lovely show. I just like mm, it was felt every vibe. Um, I had the battle for Mau Mau Island, which is something that me and my friends do where we make you have to get some kind of floating vessel of mm, some nature. A seaworthy raft. Yeah, 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 there's some people make it out of trash, some people oh. build it. Like we've done barrels before. This time we just got a big inflatable thing cuz everybody was really busy. Amazing. And so I brought uh uh, a dozen hard-boiled eggs. I was the egg lady. And I was just, <laughs> I'll miss their egg, man. Camilla, I, so that all, I was saying that all day long. And Camilla was like, nobody's going to get this and nobody's going to want eggs. And people were like, let me get those eggs. Because, you know, who doesn't want a little, Everyone knows. A little yeah. hard-boiled snack in the yeah. middle of the sea? You're and the maniac. name of the boat was John Watership Down. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and and our, our team was the Don't Sink Flamingos. So good. Yeah. It was awesome. I love Battle of Mount Mau. And uh, then I was I saw this stand up on HBO, Julio Torres, my favorite shape. <gasps> I saw that too. You it's did so good. He's so adorable. I had seen him practice that in Industry City at the comedy night that we sponsor every the last Friday of oh, every awesome. month. If you so if you're ever around near the frying pan in Industry City on the last Friday of every month, they have some real big hitters in there. And then of course Orange is the New Black is back. It is amazing. Um there was like there's a whole sideline that talks about the detainment camps. Mm. So fucked up I cried a little baby bit. And then there was like a whole thing cuz there's a lot of talking about the kids that are separated from the parents. Uh-huh. So then there's like the scenes of these kids representing themselves in court. Oh my God. And they're God. just like tiny babies. Oh. So kid court was, wow. was mm. so sad. And then they talked about this hotline that was um, so that people could call out and try to, to get a hold of people. And then they shut it down. Or they were uh. like, don't, don't tell anybody about the hotline or they'll shut it down. And then that immediately, once that episode came out, they the ICE was like, What's this hotline? And then shut the real hotline down. So that's some fucking fuckery. Um, Speaking of ICE, our president is trying to divert FEMA funds to ICE. What? Didn't hear that. that oh, my I God. flashed on my phone today. Horrifying. So just not surprising. One more, one more heavy burden for us. And then the last thing I was talking about is I saw the Whitney Cummings stand up on Netflix. Was it good? Can I touch it? It was good. It's, uh... 
She talks a lot about Me too stuff, but the best part was when she starts talking about how there's no female magicians. <laughs> because, and I thought about it, I was like, there aren't any female magicians. And she's like, because then the men, men would always be like, I knew it, you can't trust these women. <laughs> I was fair. Like, fair. Totally fair. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to get angry. <laughs> I can't think of any female magicians. And I think that she may have a really good point. Like, I think that... Um, if you want to talk about female magicians and you have to talk about spiritualists. Yeah. Because those were magic tricks, but it's not like uh, what you would traditionally think of. Right. They didn't uh, promote themselves as magicians. Right. But they were. <laughs> but they should have. <laughs> but yeah, what have you been watching, Ramalan? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, shortly before we recorded this episode, the MTV VMAs happened. I need to say that Missy Elliott got the Video Vanguard Award and she deserves it she is a legend <laughs> missy elliott was great she did like an i can't wait to watch this i haven't watched montage it of her hits and they like recreated you know anybody who is familiar with missy knows that her videos are second to none and mm -hmm. they recreated like highlights from them really? on the stage like they had a giant ufo beaming dancers what? up into the mothership that little girl from yeah, the work it video showed up in a yellow tracksuit all grown up oh my and god. did the moves and it was so emotion. There was, oh my God, it, it was everything. It was great. And also at the same event, Lizzo. Who's doing the most. She's doing the absolute most. She performed in front of a humongous inflatable bouncing ass. Oh yeah, I saw that video today. Oh my God. Surrounded by thick girls in bathing suit type clothes. Like never... As a large lady, have I seen curvaceousness celebrated to this extent all over my TV in the way that Lizzo has kicked this door open. I feel I so it. seen. Makes me feel like running around in more sensuous garments. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love what she's doing for our culture so much and I cannot thank her enough. And It was so amazing. She's incredible. I love her. Yeah. Um, so shout out to both Missy and Lizzo at the VMAs. They were everything. Um, another music related point I want to make is I, I heard the news today that Janet Weiss, the drummer for Slater Kinney was in a terrible, terrible car accident. Oh, no. She is in my view, one of the best rock and roll drummers of all time. I'll stand by it. She's she's so good. Such a bold statement. She creates Riot Girl when where where there was a void of Riot Girl. Mm -hmm. She creates it. Not just with Slater Kenny with Wild Flag. Like I was she's never that out into there. Slater Kenny. Her beats are undeniable. I stood next to her at a Portlandia party once and thought I might expire. <laughs> I could not speak to her. It was too much. <laughs> um, but anyway, Janet Weiss was in a terrible car accident. She broke both of her legs. Oh she broke her collarbone. God. For a drummer, this is so incredibly devastating. And because we live in a shitty country without um, adequate health care, she really needs a lot of money to become the drummer that she once was once again. Mm -hmm. So there is a GoFundMe happening that her sister kicked off. Um, if you just Google like Janet Weiss, GoFundMe, all you riot girls are out there within the sound of my voice, let's all help Janet Weiss because she is a feminist treasure and <laughs> we need her in our ear holes and in our lives for many years to come. Speaking of years to come, Callie, you have mentioned on this program before program, program that <laughs> years and years on HBO is so worth good. watching. Oh, yeah, it took watch me that. a while to get around to it. I finally did. Totally obsessed. I only have one episode left. There's a scant six episodes. That's it. It's so good, but it's really fucking intense because it's like about the dystopian near future. Yeah. Everything that they are predicting, I could easily see mm -hmm. happening. And, um, my luscious research assistant, Logan Del Fuego, watched an episode. And he was like, nope, not for me, too intense. I recommended it to my best friend, Johanna. She was like, nope, I'm never <laughs> watching that again. But if... And it gets more... It keeps, it getting, keeps wow. ramping up the intensity episode after episode. Emma Thompson is in this show as a Trump-like hmm. figure who ascends to become prime minister of England, of UK... And she's so good. I cannot 
recommend it more if it's if you can handle it. Right. If you can handle it. <laughs> That's how I felt about that show, The Loudest Voice. Oh, that I Roger Ailes show with Oh yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I, I feel like it is my duty to as a feminist. It's, what is that one about? So it's about Roger Ailes creating Fox News. Oh. And it is so horrifying and awful because you really see how he masterminded the election of Trump and beyond. Yeah. Oh, and, beyond. and he's still he's dead, but he's his uh his evil fuckery, doings are still tearing us apart. Uh-huh. Something that's embarrassing uh, to admit that I'm watching, but I am because of our interns and because of our our online editor, Lydia Wang. They are chit-chatting in here all the time about Bachelor shit. Yeah, they love oh. it. And they love it. And I was just getting sick of, like, I want to know what everybody's talking about all the time. And I want to throw my two cents in. And I felt frustrated that I didn't know what they were talking about. So I am now fully caught up with Bachelor in Paradise. It is wonderful, terrible, horrible, brilliant. <laughs> I feel my IQ points diminishing every time I watch. But there's a dude there named Blake who apparently there's some music festival called Stagecoach. I don't even know. I have never heard of it. But a lot of these women who are sort of refugees from The Bachelor because they can only pick one, but then they were like Dark. briefly famous and now they're just sort of like right. wandering the oh streets my God. looking for fame. Apparently they <laughs> all ended up at this music festival and he like fucked his way through all what? of them. And then a whole bunch of them ended up on this. The The premise of Bachelor in Paradise is that all the pe- boys and girls rejected from, rejected from Bachelor and Bachelorette. Mm seasons of your get thrown together to see if any of them will fall in love and like a weird social experiment but they get there and most of the girls have already had sex with blake because of the stagecoach music festival where he just fucked everybody so <laughs> wow he i guess ex- expected the women to not talk amongst themselves <laughs> or something but like right away he finds out that like all the women have talked amongst themselves. They all know that he fucked all of them. The ones that he hasn't fucked yet don't want anything to do with him. He just starts sobbing into his hands and like <gasps> being like, why? why? Like, why are these women cock blocking me? He's what? not he's not saying that they are, but he's crying in a he's around crying. the fact of sobbing because the women that he has already slept with are impeding his ability to sleep with what? other women. And none women. of those women want to sleep with him again? No. Damn. No, none. Damn. I'm, I'm get, obviously, I'm getting into it a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's, I'm telling you guys that this this has thrown an interesting monkey wrench. <laughs> There's a ton of those kind of shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tiffany Haddish has a comedy showcase on Netflix called They Ready. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Is it good? It's really, really good. She basically has like all of these very diverse women who she has known throughout her entire career in comedy. And they all have like these very poignant backstories where like, you know, when I was homeless, like we lived together and then like, oh, like we always told each other that if one of us got famous, then we would pull the other one Aww. up. And they, they had all these like stories of women helping women hmm. to get them all where they are today. Cute. They're her, Tiffany Haddish's circle of comedian friends who are women. Um, and they really knocked it out of the park. And so I, I would say that the quality of the comedians that Tiffany Haddish has assembled was surprisingly excellent. And I was amazed that I had never heard of any of her, like any of these women before. And I, I would gladly go to a comedy club to see any one of them. Mm. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Watch that. Everyone should know them. Um, before we wrap it up, I want to mention that if any of you guys listen to our episode with Catherine Burns from the moth, Callie and I noted that we need more ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts. And so we said, if you leave us a nice review and then you email us telling us your screen name, we might choose you to get a free subscription to Bust Magazine if we like what you said. Yes. And yes. our dreams came true. Uh, we chose a lovely review put on Apple Podcasts by a lady named A4G, who wrote all the way from Rome, Italy, 
Uh, she wrote on, if you want to look on uh, the review section of Apple Podcasts, she said, if you're not listening, you're missing out. Always relevant, funny, fair, and super interesting. I listen because each episode offers fun and honesty, which is due to the energy of Emily and Callie. They are always prepared with good questions to make the guests and audience think. And this is something I really appreciate. It feels like I'm hanging out with some of my gal pals. Thanks, A4G. We appreciate you. you. And we're appreciating you in the form of a a subscription to Bust Magazine. Yes. Thank you so much. We um, are going to do it again. So if you want to be like A4G, if you want us to read your comment on the podcast and give you a subscription to Bust Magazine and our gratitude and respect, just rate and review us and then email us and tell us, hey, I this is my handle. Check it out, and we'll be like, cool, cool, cool. If we like it, we'll we'll give it to you. Um, you could be our next winner. This has been an amazing episode. It's the episode that I've been waiting my whole life to yeah, do. It's like yes, I hope you. it lived up to your expectations. Thank you for making our dreams come true and for oh. writing such a fancy. Oh, I thought of another cat in pop culture. What? Cat's Eye was that the name of the oh, movie? Yeah. Cat's Eye, where the cat steals the life. Yeah, Drew with Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yeah, that was a hit. That was a last minute point. Thank you so much to our producers, Kate Moldenauer and Jesse Karen at More Banana Productions. And of course, our luscious audio engineer, Logan Del Fuego. <laughs> he has a, a torn rotator cuff and he oh, came to record this episode anyway. Thank you, Logan. Thank you. And of course, to our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. And where can people find you on the socials, Kristen? Uh, Kristen Corvette. That's Corvette with a K. K-R-I-S-T-E-N-K-O-R-V-E-T-T-E at Instagram. At Instagram. You can't find Callie on the socials. Don't try. Back She's off me. secret. You'll <laughs> never find her. But you can email us, especially if you want to get that prize that I mentioned before. I'm at emilyrems at bust.com. Callie W at bust.com. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash Pop-Tarts. And finally, like I said, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get the word out, and we super duper appreciate it. Until next time. Mwah. Mwah.